0: Again, he gets the edge, and he brings the court by
1: Kawaja in the gully. Drops it at his toes and comes through for a single for the first time in the Australian summer. An Australian batsman gets the chance to kiss the bat. Head down the pitch, he drives, this could be it, he beats him off.
2: The arm is in the air already, there's nothing quite like your first test century. The Renegades have proved that nothing is impossible. He didn't This
3: is Test
1: Cricket. Covering cricket across Australia and right around the globe. This is Stumps with Bryce McGain and Jordan Cornelis. Welcome along to Stumps today. Jordan Cornelis, Bryce McGain with you. The cricket summer is starting to heat up. We're seeing more and more matches get played now both the men's and the women's in action. It is a great time to be a cricket fan. And the international is not far away now, just over a week before we see the first international matches of the Australian summer or spring as it still is, and will be for a little while yet uh, when Australia take to the T20s. But Sheffield Shield and WBBL is what we're focusing on uh, this afternoon, this evening. Bryce McGain, you've been right around the cricketing traps over the last couple of days. Welcome back to Stumps.
3: Thanks, Jordan. And it has been a really busy time. Tons of it coming onto free-to-air TV with the women's big bash last night. We'll touch on that. But uh, Sheffield Shield, really important time for the Sheffield Shield. There's been some big highlights. There's some big runs being scored in New South Wales today Mm -hmm. and by key players as well. But this is the opportunity for all the Australian domestic players, all the Australian players, to put up their case for that first test. Uh, There are four Sheffield Shield rounds leading into that, but very exciting uh, beginning to the to the
1: summer of cricket what did we learn from from last week round number one of the the Sheffield Shield heading into into this second week obviously a a great chance and as you said four rounds of the Shield before the test begins so we get uh, a couple of uh, opportunities of um, of these uh, players on the fringes I suppose and there's plenty of players on the fringes with uh, a very unsettled Australian test team yet even though we retain the ashes which is been we've been speaking about that'll be the storyline heading in uh, to the summer but what did we learn from from week number one a couple of matches were uh, very batsman friendly down but in victoria
3: they were indeed yeah look and that was the thing that what we learned is the junction oval is pretty flat in october i can assure you and yeah. it didn't have any a, any crumbling to the wicket and it was an absolute road victoria declared it six for six hundred six hundred and sixteen a lot of sixes there, but um, and, and some and some standout performances there. Uh, one, one of those, Maddinson with a double ton. And when we saw the wicket on day one, it was really a matter of, well, who, who's going to knuckle in and really get a double ton? Well, two batsmen did. That was Nick Maddinson. And uh, for South Australia, it was uh, Tom Cooper. He got 271, his highest score ever, um, which is a fantastic, well, chase, I suppose. There are no first innings points uh, anymore in Sheffield Shield cricket. So it. it it just petered out from really halfway through day three where South Australia weren't going to be set a target and uh, they ended up with six for 671. So just an absolute run feast at the Junction Oval. So shared points there, they but they both get a point. Doesn't help them too much uh, in the overall. Uh, Victoria, a few more bonus points for their batting.
1: What did you make of the, um, the the Peter Hanscom situation? Throwing this one at you, we didn't plan to speak about this, but no, good. it was a... Um, it, it was a, a controver- probably the controversial point from the first week of the shields Peter hanscom asking for that sporting declaration from South Australia to try and bring the the result back into the match to try and get a win either way victoria or 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 south Australia um and South Australia flatly refusing uh to 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 heed the uh the the request of Peter hanscom and pretty much putting it back on him saying effectively that well you've battered the game into the ground so you know why should we then go along with what you're asking us to do?
3: Yeah, look, it was uh, it was just a Mexican standoff, really, and that uh, they were trying to negotiate out on the field. The two captains, and uh, the the offer was given by the Victorian captain. How about we give you three fifty to score off eighty overs? That's on the last day, so they would have taken just the start of the the day four um, batted a little bit there, Victoria and offered 350 off 80 overs, uh, South Australia said, no, we won't have a bar of that. What about 300? So that they couldn't get the deal done. bit like trade week, I suppose. A lot of <laughs> a lot of the teams, Joe Danaher going to Sydney, bit yeah. like trade week, can't get the deal done. He stays at Essendon, and the game ended up being a draw, so they couldn't agree to it. South Australia well within their rights to go and do that and say, look, you know, we don't need to do that. We'll get some batting practice. Tom Cooper filled his boots, 271 not out. So, mm. look, I... What I do know from from my perspective fifteen years ago when I was playing for Victoria, it was a changing of the guard it, it, Victoria had um, not had a enormous amount of success um, but it changed and it was and it shifted a lot where we put ourselves in those positions who were games that we declared behind to get set a total and originally teams were setting us um 330 and Victoria go out there with a young group and, and then end up going to chase it down. Then they started setting 350. We'd go and get those. So we actually learnt a lot a- out of our game in how to chase those type of runs. Those targets ended up being 380, and then at one stage, New South Wales set us over 400. Uh, off about uh, I think it was about 96 overs off the last day, and we ended up chasing that as well. So. Uh, <laughs> Victoria learnt a lot out of those things. We didn't win them all, but we put ourselves in the position to go and do that. And sometimes we're on the other side where we'd set a target and how do we how do we restrict a team? How do we keep them interested to be able, enable us to get wickets on? What are pretty flat wickets around Australia? So it was a great learning development for, for us as young Victorians. That's now passed on to this generation and they just continue on with the legacy, I suppose.
1: Was that slightly different, though, where um, in those situations that you speak about, Victoria declared themselves from from a trailing position to set themselves a chance to win, whereas this, what we saw last weekend, was slightly different, where Victoria asked South Australia to declare. Have you ever encountered that before?
3: Uh, No. No, I can't recall that happening. But generally, it's it's an agreement between the two of the teams going, look, we don't want to peter this out into a draw. And there was one time that it happened for Victoria. We we actually declared behind, um, which wasn't that we were requested to, but it was, uh, I think, Brad Hodge was captain, and probably one of the few times he captained, and he just walked off the ground. And everyone was going, what's going on here? Well, he's declared (laughs) behind. We're going to set up a total. I've agreed to this. This is what we're going to do. we ended up winning the game out of that situation. So... Look, it, was, um, it was a bit of a gung-ho approach, I suppose, in some respects. But uh, it helped us learn a lot about the game, learn a lot about the balance of those type of things. And when you get comfortable in that type of environment, um, you end up learning a lot about your cricket and you become better players. So South Australia, I guess, missed that opportunity. They were never mm-hmm. going to get bowled out in that second inning. So there was no fear of them actually giving up any points. It just might have been a bit of it more of an exciting game. Moving on to the other games, New South Wales did have a win. They they um it was really done in the first innings. They rocked over Queensland in the first innings for one fifty three. A little scaring chasing, mm. some even scores there, but uh, they ended up um, winning by five wickets. Probably would have yeah, they would have preferred to lose a Fewer wickets in that chase because yeah. they would have they were going to win the get the total. Well, that's exactly right. There's a bit of a heart stopping moment yeah. <laughs> They only chasing that small total and a couple of early <laughs> wickets. I thought, oh, hang on, but it was. Uh, but they ended up getting the points there and another draw uh, between Western Australia at the Wacker against Tasmania. Another run feast out there. Hard to get wickets um, around a lot of the grounds at this stage of the year because it, there really hasn't been the baking sun that really lets the wickets mm. crumble. So it was only up at the Gabba when uh, the the I teamed the bat first, which was Queensland and in that instance, got knocked over pretty cheaply. So uh, I, I guess that, that then feeds into, well, a pretty exciting second round as well.
1: Yeah, that leads into today. So we start off by looking at New South Wales against Tasmania, which has provided us a, a bit of a contest already two days in. Um, but uh, New South Wales doing very well with the bat at the moment. There is a bit of rain about north, uh, or dr- the Dramoine Oval, I beg your pardon. Um, Tasmania 268 uh, uh, all out in the first innings couple of starts at the top order in particular, Jordan Silk, Alex Doolan and Bo Webster, the top three. Webster top scored with 65 and currently New South Wales 2 for 255 with some particularly big innings. Stephen Smith getting a handful of runs. He's on 94, not out as we speak. Yeah, Moses Henrique t- just ticked over his 100. So um, they're
3: in a powerful position in New South Wales. But Bo Webster was batting so well and it was Tim Payne who did a little drop and run. We know that he's going to do that. He's going to look to rotate the strike, but Bo Webster... Did not back up. He was actually there, just about cross-legged at the non-strikers end. That's how he got run out. It's an extraordinary situation. For those interested, go and look at it and teach your kids to back up if they're uh, if they're playing the game and learning the game. Webster will learn that valuable lesson as well. Another game, of course, um, South Australia. They got the the short straw and got to bat early on <laughs> up at the gab. They actually won the toss and batted uh 221 but it looks like Queensland are, are right on top there 4 for 191 and looking to go past there just 30 runs behind.
1: What do you make of the South Australian um batting lineup this season? It looks I mean there's there's a fair handful of experienced talent players who have played for Australia there but are there a few little? Are there still a few little holes maybe in the team of, of the Redbacks?
3: Yeah, well, interestingly, they they got blown away at the top of the audit. Um, yeah. Just just with with Michael Nisa, he got three wickets straight away. He has he got five wickets in that first innings, but it was Lehman out for his second duck of the season. Um, and he's a terrific young player and 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 really capable, but he's just started. He's just uh well missed the boat a couple of times. Travis Head also out for a duck uh Tom Cooper got 69 he continued his go- good form Alex Carey with a real opportunity he he got he scored 100 at the Junction Oval and a real opportunity to press for a strain selection um w- with the way that he he goes about it he was out for 14 look tough batting conditions there Tom Andrews the the, the left-arm orthodox bowler um, he got 100 at the Junction Oval as did most batsmen <laughs> yep. he he backed it up with 78 and that's great for his development for a young player up at the Gabba where it's not that comfortable to bat um, foreign conditions to anywhere else in Australia, so well done to him, um, que- Queensland. And you, I guess, everyone looks at Queensland because that's a big part of the Australian, potential Australian lineup with yep. Renshaw opening the batting and Burns. Kawaja at three. He missed out again. He got two. So um, issues there. Manus Shane got 32. He generally gets gets to 50 and doesn't go on with it. But uh, he scored some runs and got another good start. But it's Charlie Hemphrey there on 51. And, and uh, debutant Bryce Street, well-named. Um, he's on 30, not out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Vicks taking on Western Australia as well in the other match. Victoria 341 uh, on day number one into day two. Obviously, all Shield matches starting at the same time. Um, uh, Nick Madison, Marcus Harris, and Will Pukowski, uh started the uh, the innings off very well for Victoria and then carried on into day two. Sam Harper made 72 to top score uh, for the Vicks. And uh, as far as the wickets go, three each for Jai Richardson, Matthew Kelly, and also David Moody and uh, WA at the moment, two for 103, um, trailing by 238 runs at the moment. Again, we sort of spoke about this we have spoken about this in the past, uh, some of those Victorian batsmen getting starts, not being able to go on with it, um, but still decent totals from, from Harris and Pekovsky in particular at the top of the order, and then Sam Harper with 72.
3: Yeah, exactly. Sam Harper batted very well, batted well with the tail. He, he was the last man out and uh, did exceptionally well uh, in building that total to, to where they got to in that 3-4 three forty one. But yeah, Victorian's um the word out of the camp there was that it was it was never really that easy to bat. There was always a ball that was bouncing and taking off there. There was good pacing the wicket at the whacker, which is uh, which is what it's renowned for. And great to see that back there. So they never felt truly in, um, although at times, you know, if they over-pitched, that was quite easier if it's too short. But uh, that in-between length um, was always just a bit of a challenge. So Victoria did well there, but uh, looks like wickets are hard to come by. WA ticking along for two for 107. Notable, um there, Cameron Bancroft, who played in the Ashes, opening the batting for Australia. He was out for 10. Sam Whiteman on 28. Sean Marsh in at the moment. He's on 40, not out. And uh, Marcus Stoinis is on 14, not out. That that game will go through the evening, of course, with the time difference there three hours behind.
1: The uh, This weekend also marks the start of the WBBL. We saw the opening match of the season uh, last night, the Sydney Sixers. And the Sydney Thunder, the Sixers winning by 49 runs. And the player of the match, uh, of course, has to be Elise Perry with her 81 at the top of the order. Chimed in with two wickets as well uh, in the bowling innings. And, An absolute um, given. Oh, I know. And they, they won, I suppose, in the end pretty comfortably for a T20, 50 odd or 49 runs. Yeah, Not bad.
3: Big total, 192. And as you say, set up by Elise Perry, 81 at the top of the order and she's just an absolute star. She goes from strength to strength. She now plays for Victoria. She uh, is based now in Victoria, come down um, to Victoria with her husband. So, and, and she's based at Dandenong Career Club. So for those People, if she's available to go and play down there, which probably isn't that much, and uh, they won't see her that much. But uh, to see her playing Premier Cricket will be quite special. But we got to see her on prime time, the opening game last night, Friday night cricket, and it was uh, it was an absolute standout. Um, Alyssa Healy, also um, Australia's opening batsman, you know, 42 off 30 uh, – sorry, for, yeah, 42 off 32 deliveries, was outstanding at the top of the order. And – you know, there was a great standard last night. The fielding, the whole lot—it's just the game goes from strength to strength, and it was great to see um, the Sixers too strong for the Thunder.
1: They were talking about um, young Phoebe Litchfield as well, the sixteen-year-olds who uh, has uh, made a couple of strides in her young career so far. She made twenty-six with the bat last night, um, but talking about her as uh, as one of the one of the bright young talents, so maybe one. Uh, young starlet to keep an eye on through the WBBL.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Phoebe Litchfield. I saw another one this afternoon with the Melbourne Stars. That was uh, Tess Flintoff. She was uh, she was outstanding. She scored runs uh, for for the Stars in their failed chase. Uh, we'll, we'll touch more on that later. But uh, look, uh, look, I think the women's game and particularly the women's Big Bash, there are a lot of players from. In- international players that come in it is a very very strong competition this is mm. the peak of world cricket uh in the t20 mode uh for the women and it is a terrific competition so and
1: great to see it well supported on primetime tv as well having said that though is the wbbl also uh, a bit of a breeding ground for the young talent to come through is this the best stage for for the next generation like a 16 year old phoebe litchfield to come in and and make her name first
3: well that's exactly right it certainly is and that's the, the stepping stone uh, where they can put their name up in lights and see how they play under pressure of, of these big games. Uh, it's played over seven weekends now. They have the Super Weekends, uh, w- which feature over the next seven weekends. So, look, it's uh, it's a terrific time. It, it well deserves its own airtime, not in amongst the, the men's big bash, and it's a perfect opportunity through October, November for the girls to to have the shining light on them and uh, and to be performing exactly what they did. No better showcase than what it was last night.
1: A big show coming up tonight on Stumps. We've got uh, Andrew McGlashan from ESPN Creek Info who will join us on the other side of this. He's been uh, up there in New South Wales watching the Sheffield Shield match between New South Wales and Tasmania and he's also getting around to the WBBL as well. So he's been a busy man this weekend, Andrew McGlashan, and he'll be uh, he'll be joining us in between his busy agenda in just a few moments. Later on in the show, David Hemp, the coach of the Melbourne Stars WBBL side, and Carl Sandry, the assistant coach at the Melbourne Renegades WBBL, will be joining us on the program to give us a bit of a preview of their season, the Stars getting underway today. And uh, and later on, we'll wrap up the international scene as well with a test captaincy change for Pakistan as they prepare to come down to Australia for the summer. So plenty to talk about from that front. But Andrew McGlashan coming up next here on Stumps. Jordan Kanellis and Bryce McGain with you this weekend. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps. Jordan Kanellis and Bryce McGain with you this Saturday evening right across the country We were doing a bit of a wrap-up of the Sheffield Shield before, and we'll dive in a little deeper now with uh, Andrew McGlashan, who joins us from ESPN Creek Info. He's driving all around New South Wales. He was at the WBBL last night at the Shield today and now on his way to more WBBL action later tonight. Andrew, welcome to Stumps. Good to have you on. Nice to be on. the Evening, guys. uh, What's the main story to come out from the Sheffield Shield today? Um, The New South Wales team taking on Tasmania. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier just briefly about uh, about what's been happening, but you've been there watching it all happen. What is the main story from up in uh, Dremoyne?
0: Yeah, it's uh, New South Wales taking advantage of a pretty flat pitch that uh, Tasmania couldn't really make the most of over their First innings, um, Steve Smith and uh, Moses Henriques have both scored uh, hundreds. Um, Smith, of course, picked up that surprising duck at the Gabba. Uh, last week, they'd be everyone talking. Well, he's he's back in business this week with a... Uh, 100 that he's barely broken sweat with, really. I mean, he'll bat in far tougher conditions against uh, much more threatening bowling attacks, but he looked in very good order. And it was actually Henriques that brought the aggression to the innings. He went to his 100 uh, with a huge straight six. He's played a really confident, aggressive innings. so he's put, um, he's put New South Wales in a great position to, to build a big lead, and then they've picked two spins for this game, so they certainly expect the pitch to take some turn later as they get a big lead uh, line, and O'Keefe will be a threat on the final day.
3: Andrew, great to be talking with you. Bryce McGain here. Tassie really rolled over this morning. It was a, a little bit of a disappointing end to their their innings.
0: It was. I mean, um, they kept going with... Uh, New South Wales kept going with the old ball, and uh, Mitchell Stark had it on a string with a hint of reverse. verse. Um, he went to Tim Payne uh, with an excellent um, delivery. But, yeah, it was... Uh, three for 221 yesterday afternoon uh, Tasmania in pretty much ideal batting conditions. The ball started to reverse a little bit but it wasn't, it wasn't massive, it was just a middle start an excellent exponent of that as, as we all know and oh, their yeah. middle and low order um, wasn't really up to it. There's a few poor shots especially on the first day and their top order will regret sort of 30s, 40s and 50s on that pitch was, a, was certainly wasted starts um, and 260 Once New South Wales got in, of course, David Warner picked up a low score, but once New South Wales got in, it always felt like 260 wasn't going to be near near enough.
3: Now, really interested in what Tim Payne in the fields that he set for Stephen Smith, because he obviously (laughs) knows him so well. Mm -hmm. He's had the Ashes series uh, that dreams are made of. Um, What was he setting up? Were they attacking with that leg slip type of scenario or making him score through the offside?
0: I think they've gone through plans A to Z today um, already with their fields. They started off reasonably conventionally they had a couple of slips in early on while the ball was still hard but they did reinforce the leg side quite early often had a a catching mid wicket uh, and a short leg and then as the ball got softer um, and any and there wasn't much early movement any movement there was went they basically went to ring fields um, and they had short catching men both sides of the wicket, uh, they sometimes did have the leg slip, uh, but not always. There isn't a great deal of pace in this uh, in this pitch at Moines, so edges or nicks weren't really going to carry. So they were aiming for catches in front of the wickets. I and mean, actually, for a long period of time, Steve Smith actually found it quite hard to score. He scored 20 off 87 balls between lunch and tea, um, but he was just biding his time. Really, he knew as the bowlers tired, there'd be more scoring opportunities, and that's what happened during this long final session he sort of caught up again and the scoring rate has been quite healthy but um, yeah um, Tasmania went through all the, I think all the plans they could their, <laughs> their pace attack uh, pace wise is a bit one dimensional I mean no one's really I mean Riley Meredith has a, has a bit of pace but this pitch negates him a little bit they couldn't get the ball to reverse like Mitchell Stark did and their their spin bowling is very much in the part time variety so once Reeks and Smith got settled it was a, they were waiting for a mistake and, uh, and so far those two haven't made one
3: and uh, one of the bowlers they used, of course, again, is Matthew Wade, uh, uh, much much renowned for his glove work. Uh, Been Australian Test keeper, but uh, he got uh, three overs out as well.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, 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 I always think it's slightly desperation times when Matthew Wade is called to bowl. I know we all enjoy seeing him bowl. He he bustles in. He certainly a, a, he he bowls with a keeper's mindset. I think he's quite aggressive. He likes to have a, a um uh, but he wasn't getting much out of that pitch. So it was a it was a pre new ball spell for him. Um, yeah, and I don't think it's ever a great sign when you've got to turn to uh, Matthew Wade um, certainly before <laughs> the second new ball is due.
3: It Absolutely like- not. Uh, look, and <laughs> looking at the lineup, is, is there much wear on the wicket? You did mention that uh, that New South Wales are playing two spinners. That's yeah. Nathan Lyon, uh, uh, just the very best spinner that Australia have, and also Steve O'Keefe, who's, who's renowned for really performing well in those sort of spin conditions. Does it look like it's wearing and, and going to take a bit of spin in the next <sighs> couple of days?
0: Oh, uh, it, it, it's not changed much over the first two days. It is still pretty flat and, uh, and well, we haven't seen much quality spin in the Tasmania inning, so it's hard to tell how much it's really developed today. But the New South Wales players were saying after the first day that it was quite abrasive, which suggests there's perhaps a, a bit of rough to work with um, in, in the footmarks and, and, and the follow-through. So if New South Wales come back to, say, I don't know, Half of tomorrow, 60 hours tomorrow, and if the sun comes out and that pitch bakes a bit more, um, then certainly for the last day and a half, I suspect Lyon, I know Keith will get something from it. And even if it doesn't turn a lot, they will have the benefit of scoreboard pressure. They've got a lead of 150-200 to bowl against suddenly men round the bat, and any pitch that's looked quite flat can suddenly look a lot harder to bat on.
1: Just um, tell us about the uh, the batting in tandem of, of Stephen Smith and, and Moses Enriquez. You spoke about Smith um, just either side of lunch struggling to find a few, well, not struggling, but just going at a, a slower pace. And you look at, uh, well, I'm looking at the scores ticking over at the moment, and, and Moses Enriquez seems to be going at a, at a pretty good pace, and Stephen Smith being a little bit more um, relaxed, maybe at the crease. Have they just have they batted two different ways um, alongside each other to try and complement?
0: They have. I mean, Smith has been very happy to take uh, take a back seat. I mean, it won't be very often that Steve Smith scores 100 and it's it's a back seat sort of 100, but this one definitely has been. I mean, it was on weeks that really brought an increase in tempo to the innings. After T, um, yes, the, the ball was started a tie, but it did feel as though he tried to, tried to move the game on. The run rate had been about two and over for two sessions, and while New South Wales were in a strong position, they wanted to sort of get the game moving and sort of be ahead by Stumps night, which obviously they... They will be have a handy lead already by stumps and be able to build on that tomorrow. So It was actually on reeks that that, that that took the innings by the scruff of the neck, and that's just allowed Steve to play in his own own little bubble. We all know what he's <laughs> like when he when he's batting. He obviously has the gears if he needs them, but there was no need for him to break out of that bubble today. He could take as long as he wanted to get to three figures, and if he if he gets through the stumps and he's there for the first day tomorrow, I suspect we'll see him starting to pick up the 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 tempo as well. But I thought they dovetailed really nice. It just shows that. However good you are, even if you are Stephen Smith, it doesn't always have to be you mm-hmm. that actually takes charge, so to speak, of an innings. I mean, he scored a, a very good hundred. I he's barely broken sweat doing it, really. But it, it, I suspect it's nice for him to have someone at the other end. A lot of the times in the Ashes, it felt a bit like Stephen Smith or Bust for Australia. Well, today it's, he's been able to take a back seat and uh, and with plenty of help from his teammates.
3: Andrew terrific insight there they've put on 182 runs now and still pressing on um, both those players looking to last night well looking back to last night um, a a terrific opener for the women's big bash with the Sixers completely dominant big total 192 um, getting over the thunder what what were your highlights out of out of the evening
0: oh I mean you 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 can't help but admire the way Perry and Healy continue to play I mean in a sense it's it's no surprise when they go out and play like they do now. But they are two players in the absolute peak of their careers. And I think everyone just needs to kind of appreciate and understand that. They were seeing two very special cricketers who are now getting the time in the limelight that they fully deserve. And they set the tone last night with that partnership of 80. Uh, and you sensed once the Sixers got that foothold in the, in the game, they were going to be far too strong for the Thunder. And, uh, and that proved the Thunder looked Um, A a, a bit weak in certain areas, the fielding wasn't great, but the one thing to stand out for them was the debut innings of uh, Phoebe Litchfield, the uh, 16-year-old who um, has got everyone talking about her batting talent. It might only have been 24 um, that, that, that she scored yesterday, but there is so much promise in that innings, and that's going to be one of the great, I think, trends to watch in this WBBL is, and um, is, is these young players. Um it was kind of it's nice in a way that the wicket, when she fell, it was to, um, it was to Silver Holmes, another 16-year-old. We've seen Tess Flintoff, I believe, today has played a very nice innings in she the did, BBl yeah. in, in, in Melbourne. So these. These 16, 17-year-olds, A, they're getting a chance and B, they're showing they're not overawed by the occasion. Let's not forget, last night there was 2,000 people in the um, in the stands. There was uh, perhaps TV ratings that were going around today, over 400,000. Uh, in Australia, there'll be millions watching around the world and for a teenager to go in and not look ruffled, um, I thought that was outstanding and it'll be really fascinating to watch how these young players uh, come through during this tournament. Uh,
1: the, uh, the Sydney Sixers tipped to... To be one of the favourites this season, how are their how is their season shaping up? Uh, as a preview, I suppose oh. to compare to the other other teams in the league, uh,
0: they, they 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 look mighty strong. I mean, obviously we mentioned Healy, Healy and Perry up top, followed by Ashgard, Net Erin Burns. Uh, you have got Dane Van Niekerk to come back in the sasakan all round at some point. You got uh, you you you've just got talent um, all, all the way down that. And I mean, I know they came up short, um, just short in the final last year but it would be a brave person to bet them going all the way again um this year and and having a real good push for the title it's the top order that gives them such strength i mean they can just it was interesting listening to um elise healy mic'd up on the coverage last night she basically has a freedom to go out and just give the innings a flyer knowing that they have Gardner and burns to come in um, at three and four and then they've got some some talented youngsters um down the other Maddie Dark, who unfortunately had that stumble for her first run last night, and we thought she was, she was injured for a while, but she got off and uh, composed herself. She's a highly regarded in the Sixers lineup, up and they're hoping to get her third up in the order during the season. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard to say who's going to win it after one or two games, mm-hmm. but be very surprised if the Sixers aren't right in the mix come the end of the season.
3: Well the big challenge for them tonight is uh, they're playing against the team they lost the final to Brisbane Heat uh, knocked them off uh, in a very exciting finish so they've got their work cut out for them this evening too
0: Yeah absolutely I think this will be a good marker to how the early part of the season going is, is, is going it's always good to see the defending champions of any tournament early um, they'll be they'll be well led to Brisbane. They've got Bess Mooney who played that magnificent innings in the final um, here here in Sydney last year to take them to the title. So it'll be interesting to see backing up the first two games in two days as well. there will be the highs of last night and again, listening to Healy on on the commentary, there was quite a lot of tension, nervous tension and excitement last night so they'll be able to get that out of out of their system but backing up two games in two days um, that'll be a challenge for them and, and so they'll want to put in another strong performance tonight and the Brisbane Heat they'll want to start their defence with a win and they play again tomorrow night against the Thunder um, here in Sydney so they'll want to get, you'd think they'll want to go back to Brisbane with at least one out of two out of those early games um, under their belt as, as they try to defend their title so it, it'll be good, it's very much time to sort of Seeing where each other stands at the moment, what what the winter sort of recruits of how they're bedding into the sides, any changes sides have had to make over the winters to their to their plans and batting orders. So it's interesting seeing teams for the first time in a in a new cycle of the competition. So yeah, we'll see how the defending champions shape shake up. But I, I I fancy the Sixers to uh to make it two and two tonight.
1: Andrew, just to finish off this uh, women's Big Bash League season in general, what is coming into it? What is Maybe the the landmark of this uh, of this season that that has uh, I suppose elevates it maybe a, above the previous seasons. Is there is there a telltale uh, little story from from the preseason leading in that you can say, well, this is this is why this WBBL season is is the one to watch.
0: Well, I I, I think it's twofold in a way. I think the fact it's had such a focused uh, build up um, being standalone, people have been talking about just the WBBL for the last two or three weeks you've had the Australian women playing against Sri Lanka in the lead up which I think helped everyone get talking about the women's game again we obviously had the Australian players in action they've now gone back to their clubs but I come back again to the sort of the depth of young talent on show over the next few weeks I think that is Going to be one of the scenes of this WBBL. I mean, yes, we'll see the the runs and wickets from Perry. We'll know that Ellie Healy will score runs. Meg Lanning will probably fill her boots as well. The well-known overseas players will will know that do well. Sophie Devine, I've noticed, has has scored has started with a big score today um, in, in in the match. So so, but I think I think it's going to be sort of first glimpse of this new generation. So the Phoebe Litchfields, the the Tess Flintoffs, uh the Maddie Garks, these players who are now going to try and follow um, and help keep the Australian international team the best they are in the world. This is a chance to look at our next generation of players. And I think I think that's going to be one of the standout features of this tournament.
1: Andrew, it's been a pleasure talking to you today on, on Stumps and I'm sure we'll chat again over the course of the summer. No
0: worries, guys. Good to be with you.
1: Andrew McGlashan there from ESPN Creek Info joining us here on Stumps with a bit of a round-up of what's been happening up in New South Wales and also the Women's Big Bash. It does make for a very exciting WBBL season, Bryce McGain. It's oh. the, the depth of everything, the variety of the international players, the the great Australian players who, as you said, have come off a great series, uh, one-day international series against Sri Lanka and the West Indies prior to that, and then the depth of the youth as well. It's just um, you've, you've got a bit of everything in there.
3: No doubt at all, and it's uh, the quality that's been showcased, uh, as we saw last night, and a couple of terrific games. Uh, that We'll catch up with uh, a couple of the coaches after
1: the break. Absolutely. David Hemp from the Melbourne Stars and Carl Sandry, the assistant at the Melbourne Renegades. On the way next here on Stumps, Jordan Canellison and Bryce McGain with you tonight around the country. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Stumps here around the nation, Jordan Canellison and Bryce McGain with you. As we chat Sheffield Shield, we chat WBBL, and we spoke to Andrew McGlashan before, who gave us a bit of an update on what's happening up in New South Wales. Now time to talk about what's happening down in Victoria. There have been two WBBL matches involving the Stars and the Renegades on this evening. Bryce McGain is alongside me. Bryce, you saw the Melbourne Stars and the Hobart Hurricanes earlier today, and that's where we'll start with David Hemp, their head coach. Hello, David. How are
4: you? Hi, Jordan. All good, thank you.
1: How did you find uh, tonight's performance uh, against Hobart Hurricanes? Not the result you were hoping for, but what did you take out of the match tonight?
4: Oh, yeah, obviously, uh, loss is a loss, so, um, uh, which, which you're never happy with. But, I mean, there's certainly some positive, positive to take from uh, from today with both bat and ball, uh, but doesn't get away from the fact we've, we've got to be better in certain areas if, uh, if we're to uh, certainly get the, the results that
3: we want. Yeah, Hempy, uh, the Hobart batted first. Uh, you won the toss and actually put them in. They ended up with five for 164. Um, yeah. What was your thinking about batting second?
4: I think look you know, you know the service is good at the junction over it's you know if you get it, is, it can be hard to defend. Um, so I mean for us that, that was that, that was our sort of plan. Yep. Um wanted yeah, what to sort of put them under the to set a target. We thought one around that one forty, 140, one forty five was a was sort of a pass score. Uh, we were on track for that. They just finished successfully well, they probably finished with, with twenty too many. Uh, which, wish it turns out was was a difference in the game. But they're you know, one of their players at the back end got 46 or 18 balls, as you would have seen. So that was, yeah. uh, I guess, the defining moment for them. Uh, but that going up into that stage, uh, that sort of last 36 balls, we, you know, we felt we were in a, in a really good position, and, and 140 would have been about right, and we certainly would have uh, we would have backed ourselves to chase that. Um, so that, that, that's the thing. I would say it was more an executioner thing. I mean, yeah, they, they said that she, she struck the ball very well, um, triumphed from South Africa, but we just didn't execute well enough, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, you mentioned that. They scored 65 off the last five overs. That would certainly be... Um, and that was really the difference between the two sides. Um, an impressive debut, though, for for Tess uh, Flintoff. Um, she, she was fantastic. Yeah. Two great overs for only nine runs and then came out with the bat in a difficult circumstance. She was 34 off 22 balls.
4: Yeah, obviously, really pleased for for her. Uh, you know, obviously, first game, uh, especially the age. So again, just shows that um, we have got depth in, in young players in, in this state. Um, and the fact that she's, you know, um, year 11, uh, <laughs> come out and playing with, such, with with confidence at that age. Um, I should say she doesn't look out a place at all. So it's it's really pleasing from our point of view that someone who hasn't been around the group a lot. Um, even from a state perspective um, because of obviously school commitments um, that she's able to come in. And I look very comfortable and very much at home, so really pleased for her. Um, And not just, it's not about, say, if you look at the way way she um, constructed her innings, it was about getting up and down the wicket, running well, being smart with her boundary options when she took those on. So to show that at at such a young age uh, is certainly very pleasing for us uh, looking forward.
1: Dave, how do you uh, how do you coach a player like that? Sixteen years old, she's up against uh, you know, or playing alongside even Australian international players, uh, foreign international players as well, and she's coming in and and um, and batting late in the innings and, and making some runs. How do you how do how do you sort of guide her into that situation?
4: I encourage her to, to watch. Um, she doesn't say like, she's quite quiet, so she actually um, she, she's very observant, so she watches it. Uh, a lot of the behaviours of the other players so I just encourage her to keep doing that but also to um, for me it's more around right, what do you need to do to get yourself ready so it's trying to get her to think about her game uh, or any of these young players at, at a younger age so they're not being being directed by, by coaching staff we want them to grow as much as possible because at the end of the day they've actually got to go out and perform in the middle um, but with her, the hard, the hard thing with, with the school kids that we have, we have three in the program or certainly, uh, across both the Victorian program and, and in the stars squad of 15 is that, uh, they're all at school. So that's, um, you know, Annabelle Southern year 12, Lucy Cripps year 12 and Tess a year, a year under. And it's, it is difficult because the, the less time you have with them, um, the the less time you have to and you don't want to you don't want to keep telling them how to play you want them to sort of learn how to play um, so that's the finding that balance is is the challenge um, but look she's she's a quick learner um and as you've seen today she's she's also confident she have got a quiet confidence which is nice.
3: heavyavy just before we let you go uh, how do we bounce back for tomorrow you take on the same team again at the same venue uh, what's the plan of attack for that?
4: Uh, I think look we we've we're just halfway through our, our review meetings at the moment and I, you know there there's the, the said take from it we know that we didn't execute well that at the back end we know that um we we batted, we got a certain I mean, so sort of 27 the last over um with two two of our top players getting out first ball so to get that close um you, you know it's diluted by 20 but two of your top so you, you your top batters didn't get didn't get going at all um, and at, at the 100 ball mark, you know, they brought the 100 up after 90, off 90, ball, 90 balls, we were off 86. So there's a bad perspective. We know that we've got the side um, to chase down targets of, of 160 plus. Uh, yes, you need maybe need things to, to roll with you in terms of that. But we know we've got the players in the game to do that. So the key thing is today is gone and done. Uh, reviewing your plans against the certain bowlers. You, you had a look at them today. We know how they're going to bowl. We know the field they're going to set. Um, so that should set us up from a batting point of view. And we know with the ball, it's just more around the execution. I think the plans were, the plans were actually fine. We we're really good in the field. Some outstanding um, individual performances in the field. A uh, good run out, uh, very good running catch. Um, so we're pleased with that, that aspect. It's more with a sort of slight execution that, that didn't go well enough for the back end of the inning. Uh, and also then with the bat, uh, making sure that we, we review our individual plans against certain boulders.
1: David, pleasure talking to you tonight. We'll speak again over the course of the season.
4: That's brilliant. Thanks, Bryce. That's Good.
1: David Hemp there from Melbourne Stars, the coach of the Women's Big Bash League team. We cross now from the Stars to the Renegades, and Carl Sandry, the assistant coach at the Renegades, has joined us here on Stumps. Um, Carl, not the result you were uh, hoping for uh, earlier today. You took on the Adelaide Strikers at the same time the Stars were on, but uh, ended up losing by six wickets. To the Strikers, you batted first, made 117. Probably a low score, really, over in the scheme of things. What were your main takeaways from, from the match today against the Strikers?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like it hasn't been a great day for the Melbourne uh, team since we got <laughs> the WBBL, but no, that's OK. It's nice and early. <laughs> not good, but no, nah, look, they, they had a great power play with the ball and they just strangled us, so we just couldn't. We had one boundary in the power play, and as you would know, in T23, that just sort of set us back a little bit. And from there, we were we were chasing our tails, really, the whole game. And Jeff Duffin did well and Josie Dooley to get us back in it. Uh, Jeff Duffin played very well through the middle of the innings. But as I said, their bowlers were very professional and very clinical and just didn't give us a chance, really, to get back in the contest.
3: And some genuine household names at the top of their bowling, uh, shoot and Divine, um, very, very talented players at the very highest level.
2: Yeah, well, you look at Shoot, Divine, Stefani, Taylor, Sarah and Amanda Wellington, that's... Yeah, it's a high quality bowling attack, and as I said, they they stuck to their guns and and their plans paid off today. And as I said, they, from the good start, they consolidated through the middle, and we tried, we did well. We had a little bit going on there in the middle, but we just couldn't uh, couldn't finish it off
1: there. Some good talent With at the, the top. Bat, so. Sorry, Carl, some good talent at the top of uh, your order though as well. You look at Danny White and Tammy Beaumont both. English international players. Didn't quite make the runs today, just the one and the two runs respectively. But what's it been like to work with them so far through pre-season? And I think we're all expecting big things from them throughout the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. With Molyneux, White and Tammy Beaumont in our top three, that's a very experienced and youthful top three with plenty of, you know, runs in them. And as I said, it wasn't their day today, but as is the case with T20, I'm looking forward to when they get away, we're expecting exciting things. And they've been great to work with. they Always trying to improve themselves and get more out of themselves. So, as I said, as you know, sometimes you, you have your days and they didn't have their day today and it all happened on the one day. But hopefully, tomorrow, the new day brings with it some runs for them boundaries and, and runs.
1: Absolutely. Good luck to tomorrow as well against the strikers once again.
2: Thanks very much.
1: Carl Sandry there, the assistant coach at uh, the Melbourne Renegades Women's Big Bash team. This is Stumps, Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you. We'll come back and wrap things up from the international scene after this around the country. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Stumps here, Jordan Canellis, Bryce McGain with you as we wrap things up looking at the international scene. There was a bit of news uh, around Pakistani cricket, which uh, does relate to us because we do play Pakistan uh, later on in the summer, in both a uh, one day and a test uh, series, they've opted to change their captains, Bryce McGain ahead of the November tour with Safraz Ahmed out and Azhar Ali in. So, another captaincy change for Pakistan. What does that mean for them heading into the summer?
3: Well, it seems that the, the, the leadership changes are, uh, are often and yeah. regular. Uh, Look, I, I'm not sure whether it'll change the way they're going to go about the game. One of their players, Barbara, is absolutely outstanding and mm. is absolutely world-class. He's up there with Coley and Smith. So um, be warned, uh, for those who are listening in, uh, that they do have some talent in their team. And they've also got some really good bowling talent as well. So obviously they're looking for a fresh approach as they come to Australia um, from the
1: leadership perspective. Yeah, they are. I reckon they're... Underrated some of those oh. some of those plays. I mean, they are fantastic players. You see them when were they last here? About three years ago, we saw them and they were, they weren't bad. No, they, were, they have some good talent in that side, some good young players as well, and they just go a bit unnoticed on the world scene.
3: They do, and maybe a little uncomfortable. They have been in the past in playing on faster wickets, but they've adapted exactly like the Indians have. They've just worked really hard. This is the next generation. Mm. They're not going to be bounced out. Don't worry about that. And they're used to facing fast bowling. They've got a plethora of fast bowlers um, that they face all the time in their domestic competitions but also in the nets every time they're training. So uh, look, it's going to be really, really competitive. One of the other games that is going on, of course, India are taking on South Africa. Um, Of course, India in India, um, won the toss once again. They have an unbelievable record. So um, they, they won the toss and they probably will elect to de- declare their inning sometime tomorrow at about 550. They've lost three wickets at the moment, but uh, look, they're, they're incredibly strong in on home surfaces. So um, they're tracking pretty well. Beautifully done, Bryce.
1: We'll chat again next week on Stumps. Looking forward to it. That's it for today. We'll see you again next week.